I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Carlin vs. Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Russell Wilson has been benched by Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos for the final two games of the regular season. Just one game out of the final wildcard spot in the AFC. This is Carlin and Joe. Happy Wednesday, everybody, on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers by saying, play ESPN Radio. His name is Mike Wells. My name is Braden Gall. We are in for Carlin versus Joe, which, of course, is presented by Progressive Insurance. Russell Wilson has been benched. Of course, there's a lot of financial implications to all of this. The five-year extension that he signed begins next season. There's all kinds of guaranteed money at stake with an injury risk here, which is ultimately why this move is being made right now. They are painting it, Mike Wells, as a, a offensive football decision. This is about sparking our offense after losing three of their last four. The Denver Broncos are one game back of the Indianapolis Colts for the final wild card spot. They play the Chargers this weekend. They will finish on the road against the Raiders. So the ultimate question here, for and, and ultimately we can talk about the details of the financials and the contract and how much dead money and cap money and evaluate the trade and where does Russell Wilson go. There's lots of things to discuss. But ultimately, this is a sign from the organization saying two things. We are trying to move on from Russell Wilson, but most importantly, we are 100% completely bought in on the Sean Payton train ride here. This is all about Sean Payton. Oh, this is 100% about Sean Payton, that essentially, you know, if if I had to sit, if I was sit here and analyze this, you have to think that when Sean Payton got hired, ownership said, hey, let's see how things go with Russell Wilson this year. If you don't feel comfortable with, comfortable with him, I'm being able to get him back on track. Because don't forget that last year, uh, Russell Wilson had a horrible 2022 with Nathaniel Hackett as the head coach. It was it was basically we thought they were oil and water. Sean Payton and uh, Russell Wilson clearly yeah. are oil and water part two. But ownership says, hey, let's see if you can get Russell back on track. If it doesn't work out, we will give you free reign to go in and make a decision about the quarterback position going forward. And it only took it only took 15 games, evidently, for Sean Payton to say, <laughs> "I don't need a full season with yeah. Russell as my yeah. quarterback. He's not that guy. Let's go ahead and sit him and save some money from a financial. Look at it from the financial side of you know potentially getting him hurt and then having to pay him that guaranteed money. Let's sit him out and then we can go forward with Jared Stidham and whatever happens happens. And then we start you know making the necessary steps to get Russell Wilson off off this roster." Adam Schefter, ESPN senior NFL insider, joining us here on Carlin versus Joe here on ESPN Radio. Braden Gall and Mike Wells. A- Adam, why did the Denver Broncos make this move at this time? Well, I, I think uh, they will tell you. They will tell you um, that they're looking for a spark in their offense. That they're one in three in their last four games. It hasn't worked out the way they want. They're coming up one of the more disappointing losses that they've had in recent memory at home against New England. But I also think from a practical standpoint, 
if you just look at it logically, Russell, Russell Wilson has a $37 million guarantee in his contract that he would get if he can't pass his physical by early March. Early March. So I think while the Broncos will tell you they're looking for a spark from Jared Stidham, I think they want to see what they have in Jared Stidham to begin with. And I think they want to preserve Russell and not expose themselves to that money uh, in much the way that other teams have done with other quarterbacks. The Raiders benched Derek Carr so that they wouldn't be at risk for money. The, Ra- the Colts benched Matt Ryan so they wouldn't be at risk. The Raiders benched Jimmy Garoppolo so they wouldn't be at risk. And now the Broncos have benched Russell Wilson so they wouldn't be at risk. Adam, you make a mention about preserving, obviously, to uh, avoid injury. So how does this set up the Broncos to move on from Russell Wilson at the conclusion of the season? Well, he's still guaranteed $39 million for next year. So they may move on from him physically, but they will be married to him financially. That's going to continue to happen. Uh, And I just think that Sean Payton didn't trade for Russell Wilson. He wasn't the one that engineered that trade. Uh, But he came in, coached him this year. Uh, there were good moments and bad moments. And we see how that went. And so I think this is a message that they're sending that Russell Wilson is not a part of their long-term future. So the question will become, who is their quarterback quarterback of the future? And that's why they want to see Jarrett Stidham now. And that's why they'll be in the quarterback market this offseason. Uh, if, if they don't feel Jarrett Stidham is the guy. Because... They're benching Russell now to get a look at what else they have. That, that Clearly, they're doing that. Adam Schefter joining us here on ESPN Radio, of course. And, and I guess, ultimately, then, what is the future for Russell Wilson? I, I, I assume that a trade is out of the question, but cutting him at some point is a part of this. Like you said, guaranteed $39 million next year, $85 million. No, no, no. no. They, they, they could trade him. They could trade him. They just he would have to be traded and rework that contract. The trade would be on the table for the offseason. Um, uh, well, actually, if that money kicks in by the fifth day of the year, a trade would be off the table because they wouldn't pay him that money, and, and teams would know that. So then, yes, he would get cut. If I have to look it over and go over it, but um, I think that money's due on the fifth day of the league year. If that's the case, teams will wait, and, and he will wind up being cut then. Right, and then, of course, Denver has to eat that money. So is he – I mean, he still clearly looks like he is capable – as a starting quarterback in the NFL, more so than probably, what, seven, eight, nine, ten starters. So there should be a market for him in theory, correct? Oh, I think there will be. I mean, you look at him uh, the last four games, I think it's ten touchdowns, two interceptions. Is he a top five or ten quarterback the way he was? I, I don't know that anymore. I think we could all argue that and debate that. But is he is he better than some of the quarterbacks who are starting right now? Absolutely. Not even close. Would he be an up? Would he be an upgrade for certain teams? Clearly, so there, there will be a market for him. It just won't be in Denver at that contract. Adam, happy holidays! Thank you so much for joining us. We do appreciate the insight. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Happy holidays. Adam Schefter, ESPN senior NFL insider. <laughs> so a trade of Russell Wilson is possible, but it seems like there is no incentive or leverage for other teams to go out and trade for that contract without reworking it. If he is cut, of course, it seems like when that, that the whole contract vests there around the fifth day of the, of the league year in March of 24. They will have to cut him and then eat the, the, the money, which is, again, almost $40 million. So, I, look, there is going to be a market for Russell Wilson. I don't think there is a market 
for anyone to acquire him other than just as a free agent. And that means the Denver Broncos are totally fine with, and we'll get to the Jared Stidham part of this conversation because they do have two games here to fight for a playoff spot, which does allow them to learn about Jared Stidham and fight for a playoff spot, even if it's exclusively a financial decision, Mike Wells. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of moving parts here to the story. There are a lot of moving parts. And I'm sitting here thinking, all right, which team would be in need of a quarterback? Because you, 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 we heard how adamant that Adam Schefter was that, hey, <laughs> Russell Wilson still has plenty in the tank. He was, he, he was definitely pretty adamant in that one. I'm going to throw a team out there, Brayton, and I'm hoping for the first time in our the, 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 the three-plus hours we've been on the show together that you'll be in agreement with me. All right, all right. What do you think about the Pittsburgh Steelers? Man, that's some Zach Wilson treatment of uh, Kenny Pickett let me, let there. Me, well, I mean, come on. Let's, I mean, Kenny Pickett, hasn't, he hasn't blown anybody away to say, no, I hey, I'm I definitely, and I'm, I'm going to throw another element in there. Not only Russell Wilson, and then you have Eric Bieniemy as offensive coordinator next year. Hmm. You know, I was thinking, I was looking at teams, and I'm going, Russell Wilson and the New England Patriots. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. I, I, we don't I, know who, I, who is the coach. I don't know. You tell me. How about Atlanta? Russell Wilson in Atlanta? Now, I think the Falcons are at the point now where they have to find the guy. They have to find the guy. They have to find their next Matt Ryan. They need to find and stop trying to tinker. You know, they have Marcus Mariota in there. Desmond Ritter can't seem to lock down a job. Taylor, um, Taylor, uh, uh Heineke, uh, Heineke yeah. went in last week. Yes, he led them to a victory over the Colts, but I think the Falcons have to find that guy. You that just made a case for Russell Wilson. No, see, but see, but here's the thing. But no, that guy for the next seven to eight years. That's when I say, when I say the Falcons need to find that guy. They're that, they're that team that needs to get that guy for the next seven or eight years at the quarterback spot. Russell Wilson is a, is one of those. He's a band aid quarterback. He's got a couple years left, but you still need to find the guy who's going to get you and build that foundation around. I, I, I agree with Pittsburgh, Russell Wilson being a significant upgrade on Kenny Pickett. I, I agree. I am curious about the culture fit for Russell's side of things. Like Mike Tomlin has been successful because it's Mike Tomlin's team. And I don't uh, – the man, I don't know. I don't know about that. I, I can see why you'd want to do that, though. Uh, Evan, you said you had a question here? Yeah, Mike, I want to know, like, can Russell Wilson mentor a young quarterback? Like, we've heard some of the things about, like, his own office. He's not the greatest leader. He kind of is off to himself. Like, a young team, let's just throw out, like, the Chicago Bears were in the mix for Russell Wilson uh, when he got traded, the year before he got traded to the Broncos when they went out and drafted Fields, right? He he was a guy they had gone after. Is he the guy you kind of bring in to bridge between him and like when Caleb Williams is ready to start or Drake May is ready to start? Like, does Wilson have that type of mentality where he could be a mentor to a young franchise quarterback? You, you just brought up a great question on that. You got to wonder, does he have, is he that team guy or is he a me first guy? And whatever team is, if, if if a team is looking to get a Russell Wilson to be that 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 uh that bridge guy until the young guy is ready, you have to do you have to do your research. You have to talk to those inside the Seattle Seahawks organization. You have to talk to those inside the Denver Broncos organization. Or is Russell gonna be like, hey, look at me hanging out with my wife Sierra the entire time and not worry about wanting to put in extra time in the facility to help himself individually, the team overall, and the young quarterback. 
So fascinating. He's still better than probably, I don't know, a quarter of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL this weekend. And if you're the Bears, for example, with a lot of draft capital, you might be making a coaching change. You might. What, what if you can trade Justin Fields, go get Jim Harbaugh, acquire Russell Wilson, and then you have two top five picks? Ah, man. Even the Bears could be in this conversation. He, he will be a commodity, but it's just not going to be until after he gets cut, and the Denver Broncos have to eat a whole lot of cash. Mike Wells, Braden Gall here in for Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio, of course, presented by Progressive Insurance. We talked about the future of Russell Wilson. Then there's the future in Denver where all eyes are now on Sean Payton and Jared Stidham. We'll discuss what does that mean for the Broncos playoff hopes. That's next on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Russell Wilson has been benched in Denver. What is next for Sean Payton and the Broncos? This is Carlin versus Joe, presented by Progressive Insurance. Braden Gall, Mike Wells in for the guys here on this Wednesday afternoon. Of course, as I mentioned, presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. You can get to him on Twitter.com, at Mike Wells NFL. You can get to me at Braden Gall. Who do you hate more, <laughs> Alabama or Michigan? We'll get to that coming up uh, in just a few minutes. But what is next now for Denver? Denver is 7-8. and eight. They play the Chargers this weekend and the Raiders the following weekend in the season finale. They are one game back of the Indianapolis Colts, who currently sit as the last wild card in the AFC. Sean Payton is claiming that this benching of Russell Wilson is about sparking the offense and going to Jared Stidham, who has largely accomplished very little in his career as an NFL player. I suppose they are looking to see if he is capable of <laughs> of being a starting quarterback in the NFL. My my thought would be no, but I guess there's a theory that you could catapult yourself into the starting job next year should you win these two games, and Jared Stidham gives Denver a chance to make the playoffs. I don't agree with that, but I guess that's the line of thinking here. Uh, ultimately, Jared Stidham is a placeholder in my opinion. 
No, uh, do you uh, think- no, 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 Brayden, Brayden. It's not in your opinion. It's not I, in your I, opinion. I, I, I would have to say <laughs> it's in a lot of people's opinion. This is not just you on this one. I think a lot of people are saying, hey, let's just we, – we're." Hey, Denver Broncos fans are saying we're not that dumb now. We see what you're doing. <laughs> you're protecting. You're trying. You're protecting. Um, trying to protect yourself with uh, Russell Wilson and everything. So it's easier to move on from him. No, Jared Stidham is not that guy. A guy no. who has no. played a total of 14 games in his career, 0-2 as a starter, who has done nothing to blow away and say, hey. This guy has potential to lead yeah. a franchise, a once proud franchise that had John Elway and Peyton Manning as its quarterback. But here's the deal. If if you are going to have to eat a boatload of money next year, you're not going to have cap space to be competitive. If you move on from Russell Wilson, the player, as you just alluded to and I agree with, Jared Stenham is not the answer to win you a division and compete with Patrick Mahomes next year. That seems absurd. They still have an offensive line they got to fix. This is a rebuild as quickly as possible decision for Sean Payton, who is now obviously in complete control of this organization, which, again, I think many people agree is okay. But isn't then Jared Stidham the guy you want to be the starting quarterback next year? Like, you are, you are trying to – you're not trying to win games next year if this is the case. If you've got to eat $37 million, $85 million dead cap hit for Russell Wilson, I don't know how you field a competitive team. So in theory, aren't you just seeing in these two games if Jared Stidham is capable of being your quote-unquote starting quarterback next year, knowing full well that you're actually not – you're trying to rebuild as fast as possible? Yes, but what about what 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 about they look at this? Hey, let's go out and try to trade for a guy. Let's let's try to you know who knows what's going to happen to Chicago with Justin Fields. I know Fields he's been in the league for a couple of years now, but he's still young enough where Sean Payton can do some can do some things with him still. I know he's still you know what if they say we know the Bears are going to look and try to draft a quarterback in the first round because um, Kay, um, Justin Fields is not that guy going forward. So this could be – who knows what the Denver Broncos are thinking. They just know that Russell Wilson's not that guy. So it's going to be a very interesting offseason in Denver and what that organization does as they try to move on to what has been – turned out to be a horrible decision by the front office to acquire Russell Wilson from Seattle a couple years ago. Uh, and if you start to look at that, like not only was the trade bad, but the contract extension was equally as bad <laughs> and has now put them in this situation – you gave up multiple draft picks, and all Seattle has done is made the playoffs without Russell Wilson. They, they got rid of the guy that won them a Super Bowl. Again, I think we, need, we are going to look back on this trade, and certainly we already know who's won the trade, but I think we're going to look back on the decision that Pete Carroll made and that organization to move on from a quarterback that won a city a Super Bowl and, and to, to do what they've done, the, the risk it takes to make that decision – and to get back what you got back and then turn it into playoff appearances? Extraordinary stuff from Seattle and Pete Carroll. When I think at the time we all looked at it and said, man, what are you doing? You're getting rid of a guy that's won a Super Bowl. Yeah. Oh, I mean, of course, people were like, I can't believe you're, you're getting rid of that guy. The guy who yeah. who, who is the, fran- the face of the franchise, you're moving on. <laughs> if anything, I think what Seattle has proven is is that Pete Carroll can coach his rear end off, and it doesn't matter who's that quarterback, whether it's Geno, uh, Geno Smith or Drew Locke, that he he knows what he's doing out there, and and they got draft picks out of it. And while the Denver Broncos are like, all right, we are basically um, one season of fifteen games in to realize that we screwed it up. Well, and what's interesting also is just Russell Wilson's legacy, a guy that I loved watching at NC State. <laughs> 
when he was playing football at NC State, he was one of the most dynamic and entertaining players in the college game. He goes to Wisconsin, gets his team to a Rose Bowl, two Hail Marys away from competing for the national championship, wins the Super Bowl in Seattle. I mean, the, the talent is just painfully obvious. How much funny is to watch running around like Fran Tarkenton? You old heads know what I'm talking about. Running around back there like Fran Tarkenton. But to be sort of discharged from two franchises by what is going to be two Hall of Fame coaches, right? Pete Carroll yeah. and Sean Payton. For two Hall of Fame coaches to have you as their quarterback and be like, nah, we're good. That's a pretty big statement on, on Russell Wilson. Unfortunately, whether, he, whether we like it or not as fans of the game or not, it's going to be a fascinating legacy to track. And then it's going to be fascinating to watch what Denver does next season when it comes to rebuilding as fast and as quickly as possible. Braden Gall, Mike Wells in for the guys here. Carlin versus Joe. Uh, and college football, the playoffs, are on ESPN Radio. Don't miss the semifinals on New Year's Day. The Rose Bowl starts at 5 p.m. Eastern time, followed by the Sugar Bowl at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. Let me ask you one quick question here, because we're going to talk some college football. I want to know, what matchup do you want to see in the championship game? It, I mean, I want close so, games. All I care no, this, about is this, close this, games, this, but what game do you want to see? This is an excellent question, uh, and – this one's going to be personal to me. Of course, you would say, oh, it would be great to see Sark against Saban part two. And Sark, you know, getting, you know, beating the guy he was on staff with twice. But I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with Washington and Alabama. I'm going to say Washington because uh, for those who don't know, you know, uh, my full-time job is I'm a prof- I teach journalism as a full-time professor at Indiana University. Michael Penix. Started his career off with the Hoosiers before transferring to uh, UW. And who was his so coordinator? I, who was his coordinator at IU? <laughs> his head coach at Washington, right? Kalen DeBoer. So, right. DeBoer. So, and I, I've had to listen to my students, because I teach sports <laughs> journalism, talk about how bad the Hoosiers really need Michael Penix. <laughs> and, and for Penix gets to the national championship game, that segues into some great topics in class next semester. So it would be great to see for that to happen. And I just think this year has been one of Nick Saban's best coaching jobs. He's rotated. I mean, he benched his starting quarterback after losing to Texas when they played um, um, UCF. He went went to the bench out there. And they've been able to get things back together. And they beat Georgia. Georgia had dominated college football for two straight seasons. And they beat them in the SEC championship game. While Nick Saban had to truly, truly coach, it was not about all these five-star players dominating and just using pure talent. He and his coaching staff had to come together, keep this team together when people thought the end of the Saban era was coming. And I just can't see – I don't want to see Harbaugh in the national championship game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I do think there are great stories no matter what. They're, they're, you mentioned Texas versus Alabama as Steve Sarkeesian. Is Texas back versus Nick Saban in the dynasty? If it's And there's two future SEC teams in that storyline. If, if it's Texas versus Michigan, two elite helmets and uniforms that have not won a national championship in forever with a great matchup, two big brands. Harbaugh versus Washington, two future Big Ten teams. In, in a potential matchup in the national championship. No matter what, we are in store potentially for one of the best college football playoffs we've ever had. We will dive into all of those matchups next right here on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. 
That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Michigan and Alabama, the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. Michigan's been here before. They have not won this. Alabama's been here before. They have won this. Won this. You're going to have probably the two teams that people love to hate the most. This is why you come to Michigan. They've only had their head coach for what, like four games this year? He's missed six. All year long, everybody has said what this Alabama team was not. And all they've done is continue to win, continue to stick together. For me, it's all about bragging rights. The Big Ten, the SEC. Who do you hate more? Alabama, Nick Saban, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan. Who do you hate more? Bill Belichick versus Bill Belichick in one of the college football playoff games coming up on New Year's Day in the Rose Bowl between Alabama and Michigan. Carlin versus Joe here on ESPN Radio. Mike Wells, Braden Gall in for the guys. Ryan McGee, ESPN college football writer, joining us here. And, uh, Ryan, uh, look, you and I have talked about college football for many, many, many years. I If, if the – New England Patriots were the one seed in the NFL playoffs going into the playoffs, and Bill Belichick had been suspended not once but twice for almost half of the season. It would be the biggest story in sports, and yet it feels like the Jim Harbaugh thing is kind of going under the radar. What's going on with with Jim Harbaugh in Michigan? Yeah, it's funny because the whole thing kind of certainly dominated my world. Um, You know, know, so when you – it's a little inside baseball, right? So when you're when you cover a certain sport for ESPN.com, you are on this what we call an email alias, right? And so when Pete Thamel and uh, Adam Rittenberg and Andrew Adelson, everybody's breaking all their stories, I get all the emails. And so my inbox was so full of Harbaugh for all of the season, <laughs> and now it feels like no one's talking about it. And you're right, right because it, it, it feels like it should be. And maybe when we get to the game, and I'll, I'll be leaving to go out there Friday night, maybe, maybe when we get to media day on, on Saturday, um, you know, that topic will come up again. But, yeah, but this idea of, you know, who do you root for if you're America? I wrote a thing. So I've been writing these essays for Sports Center, and I did one on each team. And when I wrote the one about Washington – what I said was, I said, if you're looking for a team, I said, everybody hates you know, Michigan because of Harbaugh. Or maybe you hate him because you love Ohio State or whatever. And everyone hates Alabama because they don't think they should be in the playoff. And then everyone hates Texas because they're just Texas and everybody's always hated Texas. So maybe Washington's your team. I don't know. But, but when we, I'm, I'm curious to get to Pasadena uh, on Saturday morning and, and see you know, what it feels like in the room you know, with the Wolverines and, and see if it's the topic of conversation because it's going to be. Uh, I just don't know how long it will be. Ryan, of course, so many people are saying, oh, Alabama shouldn't be here. You know, of course, the, the argument with Florida State or if Georgia should still get in. Or you, you, There's all kind of arguments across the board. What has impressed you about the job that Nick Saban has done this year with this Alabama team? I was down there uh, 
two weeks ago and spent the day and, and, uh, and interviewed Saban for a while, actually. And what statistically, right, so our people at ESPN, Stats, and Info, statistically what they tell us is this is the worst Alabama team in 15 years. And I'm terrible at math, so I don't even try to figure that out. But, I, but they're always right, so, I, so I'm agreeing with them. But to take that team and to take the team that I saw – I was at the Texas game week two. And to take that team that I saw that couldn't move the ball down the field and whose quarterback looked completely lost and, and quite honestly just physically got pushed around. You know, they had a couple of freshmen starting on the offensive line, and they looked like – I mean, all the stuff that we talked about for the next couple of weeks, that game and also USF, was, well – this is just not going to be the year for them. And to take that team in September and to turn them into the team that I've seen in person a couple times now, you know, in the last part of the year, including the Iron Bowl, I just – I tell you this, I get it with Florida State fans. They should be mad. I understand. But think about this now. If Alabama wins out, what will they have done? They will have had fourth and 31 in the Iron Bowl and won the game at Auburn. And then the very next week, they beat the number one team in the nation in a game where they were the underdog. Uh, in, in Atlanta, by the way, the Georgia Bulldogs, the two-time defending national champions. And then, if they win on Monday in the Rose Bowl and defeat the new number one team in the nation, and then, if they were to win the national championship, and let's say it's in Texas, in Houston, against Texas, the only team they've lost to this year, there will be no more debate about whether or not they should have been in the college football playoff because, to me, that might be the single best back-to-back-to-back-to-back you know, effort of Nick Saban's entire career. Ryan McGee joining us here, ESPN college football writer. I, look, I, there, are to, there are certain teams, Ryan, you've seen these over the years. Clemson has to lose to Alabama the first year before they come back in 2016 with Deshaun Watson and beat them. Uh, there are certain teams that have to go to the situation – before they finally figure out enough is enough. Michigan has been pushed around by Georgia in one trip to the playoff. They, of course, overlooked, in my opinion, completely overlooked TCU, then realized they were in a dogfight and TCU just beat them in the fourth quarter. Now they have a third straight trip at this. Alabama looks like the better team on paper in every single matchup. But is there an element where certain teams made of 18 to 22-year-olds just figure out we are going to play our best possible game? Is that the reason Michigan wins this game on Monday, should they win it? Yeah, and the been there, done that is off the chart. And that's not something they've had. You know, the knock on Harbaugh, the first half of his career at Michigan was, you know, he won nine, ten games a year, but he couldn't beat Ohio State, he couldn't beat Michigan State, he couldn't win a ball game. Couldn't even get to Indianapolis. Well, then they figured out how to get to Indianapolis, all right? And then they figured out how to win the Big Ten. Now they figured out how to get to the college football playoff. And last year, two years ago, they figured out how to almost get to the championship game. So, yeah, I think the the overwhelming experience, and TCU will tell you this, walking into the stadium in Los Angeles a year ago, they had that look in their eye like, oh, damn, where are we right now? <laughs> and Michigan doesn't have that. Michigan is not intimidated by this at all. Now, Michigan's not done any favors by their reaction that was live on ESPN when they saw Alabama was getting to the playoffs. (laughs) And so they know what they're up against. But, um, but yeah, I just, I think they've been there, done that. JJ McCarthy will not be intimidated by Alabama. Blake Corn will not be intimidated by Alabama. And when I talked to, went down, when I went to Tuscaloosa a couple weeks ago, and I talked to Kool Aid McKinstry and talked to Nick Saban and talked to a handful of players. And they are so impressed with McCarthy, and they are so impressed with Corum, and they Corum in particular. They all talk about him a lot. So 
there won't be any shell shock. There won't be any – Michigan football is fascinating, though, because it's not just about right now. I mean, their last national title was a really long time ago. And the reality is is that they are the winningest team in the history of college football, but they're kind of a hard luck program. They don't have a lot more Rose Bowl wins than Alabama does. And they've been to, you know, five times. It's just – it's – Michigan has always been a can't-quite-get-over-the-hump program. And so uh, if they were to finally take care of business um, and do it here and do it with all this controversy swirling around, in fact, they hadn't had their coach for like half the year, um, you know, it would be a great story. And then Harbaugh could tell her about that story when, you know, when he's coaching in the NFL next year. Oh, boy. Brady told you. I told you, Brady, Brady must have texted you and said, hey, our boss coaching in the NFL next year, uh, Ryan. Hey, last question before we let you run. Uh, we had seven teams that were worthy of making the playoffs. What does it say about about college football as we, as we move into the 12-team playoff next year? I think it's encouraging that, you know, because you really think about it. It's it's been a decade of the four team model, and I did I, I did not like the four team model to start off with, and came to love it because to me, it should be difficult to get into the postseason, and I don't think you can dispute any of the national champions that we had. And really, honestly, you got you know what what Baylor and TCU back in the day, um, and you got um, uh, what you got you got Florida State this year and and Central Florida when they thought they won the national championship. That's kind of it for the teams that I think have a really good argument of should have been in there. This year was different. This year, you're right. We had more teams that had a legit argument. I think Georgia and Alabama might be the two best teams in the country, and one of them's not even in the playoff, and one of them barely got in. And so it'll be interesting going forward. I don't like 12 because I don't like buys. I think buys feels like the NFL. Um, you know, I like nice round numbers, make it eight, make it 16, make everybody play the same number of games. That's a debate for further down the road. But, but I think – that the idea is to be inclusive and make more teams believe they have a chance and to make, you know, to, to make a lot more games matter. And we'll see if that happens. But, uh, but it was encouraging that so many teams were so good this year because this would have been a great 12-year, 12-team uh, playoff. Ryan, I'm going to let you go. I want uh, one sentence. Who is playing in the national championship game? I believe that uh, we will have a, an emotional reunion uh, when Washington, the program built by Don James, uh, is playing against Alabama, uh, the program built, rebuilt by Don James' protege, which is Nick Saban. There you go. Ryan McGee, ESPN College Football Writer. Thank you, sir. Thanks, boys. All right. Washington and Alabama. That's a new one. We haven't had that one yet. We haven't had that one yet. Lots of predictions flying around and lots of teams that America likes to hate. Michigan, Alabama, Texas. He's right. Everybody, if you don't like those teams – Washington is your squad. That is clearly uh, the case. Uh, All right. Look, there is a presumed number one overall pick in the draft, Caleb Williams. I'm going to tell you why he should not and will not go number one. That is next with Mike Wells. I'm Braden Gall. This is ESPN Radio. Find the top products and quantities you need when you need them. Lowe's Knows Pros. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Caleb Williams, Some NFL teams are already looking ahead to the draft. So you ready for the draft? All right, it's time to have some fun. It's time to see who has the best odds this week to draft USC's Caleb Williams. This is Cash In for Caleb. Carlin versus Joe on ESPN Radio. Braden Gall, Mike Wells in for the guys. And that is right. Everyone has assumed, Mike Wells, that we are all in for Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams. Reigning Heisman Trophy winner. I guess he's not the reigning Heisman Trophy winner anymore. That'd be Jaden Daniels from your LSU Tigers. That, you know... It's all Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams is the number one pick. Clearly the number one pick, absolutely the best player in college football. Now, look, Mike, I want to clarify my take here before I give it. Oh, you're already trying to soften it up. You're it, trying well, to, because it's not, it? it's not an anti-Caleb Williams take as much as it is a pro-Drake May take. That's what it is. I think... When they get measured at the combine, when you look at the tape, when you study the offenses, when you look at the arm talent and the throws that they both can make, one guy's going to be less than 6'1", with some injuries, playing in the Lincoln-Riley system that has produced a lot of guys that weren't great in the NFL outside of Jalen Hurts. And you've got Drake May, who's going to check in at 6'3 230 pounds, and can make every single throw that an NFL coach wants him to make. I think there's a very good chance that Drake May is the number one pick in the draft, and I don't, I don't fault Caleb Williams for all the quote-unquote noise around him. But, like, that team took a major step back this year. Some of that's the defense. But Caleb Williams was not able to replicate what he did two years ago. All this noise about, hey, I don't want to be drafted by the Bears or I want ownership of my team or there's just some noise there. And I could see some NFL people saying, I don't know about that. I, just th- I think Caleb Williams is a top three player in the draft. I, I don't think he should fall farther than that. So Drake, Drake May, Caleb Williams, and Marvin Harrison Jr.? And Marvin Harrison Jr. I think one of the two tackles, Joe Alt out of Notre Dame or Olu Fashanu from Penn State, are probably two guys that are up there in that mix. I think Malik Neighbors out of LSU, the wide receiver, is going to be a top five or six graded out player. But yes, I think it is Drake May one, Caleb Williams two, Marvin Harrison three. And frankly, Marvin Harrison is really the best player, but we know they don't go number one. We know the quarterbacks go number one. So my take is that Caleb Williams is not going to be the number one pick and should not be the number one pick. It should be Drake May. Caleb Williams should be number two. So you, you've ran off a, a, a lot of reasons off of it. I'm, I'm going to ask you another reason if this impacts your decision too. A lot was made when Caleb Williams climbed up and got emotional with his family. after that. I can't remember who they lost to after that game. And people were saying, "Oh my God! If, if if I'm an NFL team, I don't want I don't want a guy who can't handle pressure, who gets emotional over things like that." Did you take that into consideration, or are you looking at the makeup of Drake May 
And what I'm looking at right now says they have them listed at 6'5". They probably do a couple inches on top of them. Yeah, six, and, three and a half, six four. Yeah. 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 You know, a, a quarterback at North Carolina in 2022 threw for 4,300 yards, 38 touchdowns. Um, are you combining? Yeah, yeah, as a freshman. Are you combining? And you, you talk about Caleb Williams not repeating what he did. Drake May also, his numbers went down some too. That's true. So how are you looking at it? Are you, are you considering – the makeup of Caleb, maybe, maybe he's not emotionally strong enough to be able to lead a franchise. I don't, I don't care much about the family emotional thing, but there is something about the amount of noise that he sort of is self-generating. Does that make sense? Like, and honestly, my personal approach is like, I don't care about any of that stuff. If you're good enough, you're good enough. Right. Like you're if you're like think about all the noise around Eli Manning coming out of college. Right. Like, oh, we're not going to play for the Chargers. We're going to force our way out of that organization because my father is Archie Manning. And like we're going to we're going to manage and control the whole situation. Nobody had a problem with that part of it. Right. Like he, he goes on, he wins multiple Super Bowls in large part due to the defense for the Giants. But whatever. That's neither here nor there. Uh, I think that <clears throat> the, the that kind of stuff is over. You can overcome that stuff if you are good enough in the po- pocket delivering the football. Because while the NFL does covet the athleticism that Caleb Williams brings to the table, I think the one thing that beats the athleticism is the guy who can make every single throw from the pocket in rhythm and process the entire game. And I don't know if Caleb Williams has been hurt in big situations many times in his career. He has elite skills, but he is going to be like six foot, maybe six one at the most. And, and that doesn't preclude him from being a great NFL quarterback. But Drake May is going to check in every – he's going to check every box. Like he's going to go to the combine, and people are going to be like, oh, <laughs> I, I get it. Like, this is the guy who stands in the pocket, delivers the football, and he's not a statue. So it's not necessarily anti-Caleb. It's more pro-Drake, if that makes yeah. sense. And hey, I don't care about the family stuff as much. I don't really care about that. He, here's, the, here's the question. Hey, I'm not going to lie. I, I've, uh, I've been sipping the Kool-Aid of Caleb Williams. I'm, I'm very impressed with the young man going back, you know, when he was at Oklahoma and he replaced uh, Spencer Rattler as the starting quarterback. And then, of course, we know what he did his first year at USC with Lincoln Riley winning the Heisman Trophy. When you and I were hosting Greeny's show earlier today, I made a mention about Brock Purdy being, is he just a product of the system that Kyle Shanahan runs? Is Caleb Lincoln Riley his offense? We've seen the number of guys. Is Caleb Williams just falling in line with the other guys at Oklahoma who play for Lincoln Riley, who put up great numbers in college and hasn't really blown the doors off in the NFL? So that would be Kyler Murray, Kyler Murray. Lincoln Riley guy. Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield is a Lincoln Riley guy, and Jalen, Jalen Hurts, Hurts is a yep. Lincoln Riley guy. Those are the three big ones. Um, of course, that one Heisman Trophy's got to playoff games, but never won the big game. Now, Caleb Williams never actually did the things that those other three guys accomplished. Um, and he took care of the football this year. Like, again, only five interceptions uh, in, in, I think it was far more, a far higher interception rate this year in terms of the number of pass attempts. But I, I don't know. I think, like, the Ohio State thing with C.J. Stroud was a problem, right? Like, it was, hey, Ohio State quarterbacks don't do well until, like, the, the one guy who's good enough did. Right, right. Like it's hard yeah. to. I, I thought that was always kind of silly. I do think there is something to the off making sure the statistical production in that system that you take it into context. Right. Like I don't care as much about the statistical production. I mean, Josh Allen's statistical production was nothing at Wyoming. Right. He was nothing. Like there was nothing there. Will Levis's statistical production at Kentucky last year was atrocious. It doesn't mean that the skills aren't there. Right. And I think so. 
I think Caleb Williams is an extraordinary football player. I, I, I think there are more risks with Caleb, the injury factor, the athleticism, and then all this noise. Like, this stuff is – like, what – like why is he? Why are we finding out? Oh, he does. He wants part ownership of a team, or he wants. He doesn't want to play for the Bears, or like. I guess he liked the tweet. I, I'm not going to pretend like I care what players like on Twitter or not. Yeah, but like, I, I guess the the the, the tweet was. Uh, is this from Spenny? Is that right, Evan? Here, only one yeah. option. Only one option for the Chicago Bears in the 2024 NFL Draft. It's not Caleb Williams. We want Justin Fields, and he likes the tweet. Yeah. I, I don't understand. I don't understand oh, what he's doing. Hey, you, you made a mention about only five interceptions. He only threw five interceptions while having to put up a lot of points because that defense would have a hard hard time stopping any team this season. Right. right. So that's that's even more credit to what he's able to do while having to throw the ball a lot because uh, they needed to put up a lot of points against uh, teams because the defense wasn't very good. And 22 rushing touchdowns in the last two years. Like, he's an extraordinary talent. I just think the guy that the NFL scouts are going to covet from a skill set standpoint in the pocket, running a pro offense, is going to be Drake May. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, Mike Wells, Braden Gall here, of course, on ESPN Radio, fiddling in for Carlin and Joe. Could be a surprise team be in the mix for Williams. We saw one make a major move at quarterback today in setting up their future. We'll explain that's next here on ESPN Radio. This is the Carlin versus Joe podcast on ESPN Radio. 